All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Tuesday. It's December 11th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis from DailyFantasySportsRankings.com, DFSR.com for short. As always, DFSR.com slash deals. Gets you a free seven-day trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Labs. That's a deal that you only get if you listen to the podcast, DFSR.com slash deals. Optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NFL, NBA. Uh, premium articles, premium chat, which people are in there every single night. Kind of just sweating sports, tilting about sports, celebrating. It's all good. Developing a nice little community over here at DFSR. So go check it out, dfsr.com slash deals. Think you'll be around with us for the long haul. Buddy, week 14 is in the books. It was a crazy week, man. If you There was a couple parlays that if you parlayed some of these underdogs together, like Oakland wins. Who else won? That was an underdog. Oakland, oh, my, the Miami game, which was like just legit an insane way to, for, to finish. Is this like... Does this is it a Giants fifty need, point win or whatever? <laughs> right, yeah, like, yeah, right. They were up forty nothing or whatever at halftime. Um, is this a gentle reminder that football? These teams are always just a little closer than we think they are. Like it's easy to say, oh, New Orleans lost. Um, it's easy to say, oh no, excuse me, New Orleans won. Though it looked like they were they were looking on shaky ground early. Um, oh, you know, this team is so much better than this one, and and there's you know there's the haves and have nots, and then we just kind of get a week like this where I don't know some bad teams won. Is football just closer than we think it is on a? game by game basis sometimes it seems like there's you know there's should be heavy favorites and then sometimes it just doesn't work out that way uh nah i think football is is one of the lower variance single game games that we have for the most part uh i think there's definitely obviously some variance but it's nothing on the order of like baseball or something like that i don't know it's it's actually tricky as you really think through the types of things that can go wrong for a team in a given game yeah, yeah, no, I, I think football is up there. I like the the degree to which turnovers can really turn a game. I don't know injuries. Obviously, I'd have to think about. It. I think that in general, no, there's some some pretty great distances between the great teams and the bad ones. I just think also that small sample sizes can confuse people to make people think that teams are better or worse than they actually are. So, and the small sample size. I mean, this is kind of off the topic of what I just brought up. But self small sample sizes are also the things that people can screw people up on a week to week basis, just in terms of DFS, because you can look at a huge week from a single player and try to start begin translating that kind of opportunity or that kind of usage into the next week and going forward. And then right. we see more times, not more times than not, you know, we see often that um, that just isn't always the case. And we we had some outlier games this week. Some th- some games I think we were kind of right on. Uh, I want to I'm kind of pat them. Patting ourselves on the back in terms of where we placed some of this running back opportunity from last week because we were almost completely on what some of these guys were. But we'll go through uh, some of the stuff that happened in week 14. Take a look ahead to week 15, which is going to be a weird week because we have a Thursday game and then we have two Saturday games and then obviously the regular Sunday and Monday night. But we're already taking a lot of fantasy relevant guys off the board with these other games because the Chargers and Chiefs play on Thursday. Uh, The Rams play... Yeah, the Rams play Sunday night. New Orleans and Carolina play Monday night. That's just a lot of guys that we consider on a week-to-week basis. So we are left a little bit of some table scraps in terms of DFS. But we'll kind of get into where we're looking ahead for week 15 and back to week 14. Let's look at some of these quarterback performances. Brady was the top quarterback of the week with three touchdowns. Overall, kind of a low-scoring quarterback week. Um, anything stand out to you besides the Josh Johnson third highest, <laughs> third highest uh, <laughs> fantasy quarterback playing just the second half taking over for Mark Sanchez? But anything stand out to you from a quarterback perspective this week? A young God, Josh Johnson, get ready. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I mirror your thoughts. Quarterback overall was pretty underwhelming. Uh, the way to get there for big tournaments was to play Dak or Jameis. Those were the two. Although it, one thing that amazes me about just DFS in general is the top overall lineup that won 
the million on FanDuel or one, I guess it was a 300,000. You could have just made a straight swap, Jameis for Dak, and had a score that was six points higher. Like, but just nobody made that exact lineup. I just think that's right. amazing that, uh, you know. Okay, can have... I, one thing about Dak real quick. So my, my brother-in-law texted me during the week. He's like, this is my cash game lineup. I don't remember who was in it, but I know it had Dak, Elliott, and Cooper in it. And he was like, and had some other guys. And he was like, he's like, I think this way you get this thing and you get to capture all the Dallas offense. I was like. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, he's listened to the podcast. Dude. <laughs> well, my response was, why would you want to prioritize just capturing all the Dallas the Dallas offense was my exact response that that did not age well um as as Saturday or Sunday at four I don't know around or excuse me six p.m. was rolling around when they were just all these guys were just scoring in, in buckets anyway um yeah I, I, do you see like I mean Dak threw fifty four passes do you th- think he's going to be on the main slate is in a good matchup this week do you how much do you want to put this Cowboys offense as being like sort of like a prolific offense with these three guys is, is are they getting there at this point they had huge games especially the Dak to Cooper thing with the three touchdowns. Yeah, I think the Cooper thing is possibly legit. Um, you know, he's been very efficient since moving over to Dallas. And obviously, Dak is really relishing having someone who's actually NFL caliber at the wide receiver position. And I guess you could throw it the other way. Cooper's actually relishing having an NFL caliber quarterback. So three touchdowns, 10 receptions, 217 yards. I mean, everyone noticed the week he had at this point. Uh, yeah, Cooper, absolutely legit. And I haven't even looked at his price for next week. But let me see here. Let's well, why are you doing around. that? He's sixty six hundred going up against Indy, so that's a that's a price that you'll see. I don't want to say unanimous ownership, but he'll be very very highly owned. Since week eleven, um, actually, oh, excuse me, since week ten, I'm not going to go back any further. Than this Cooper is the number one overall fantasy wide receiver. Uh, it's actually not even all that close. He's five points up on Juju, almost ten points up on Tyreek. He is. He's just been, since week 10, he's been the best fantasy wide receiver in the game. I mean, that's highlighted by two huge games, like the Thanksgiving game um, and that last game. Are, they were just, they were blow out of the box games. But look, if you can do those twice in a year, that's just a real thing, right? Like, so, like, you know, you can have a wide twice receiver game. Four weeks, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, so, um, I'm with you. The target share is, is for sure there. He's shown unbelievable high upside especially in making some of those long plays and they are using him to some degree in the possession game as well so um yeah it's starting to look all, all things like this is one of those teams where you can maybe even though i poo-pooed it at the, at the time through through that text um maybe capturing this dallas offense is just a, a viable strategy who else stood out to you at quarterback this week so, like i said some of these guys like aaron Rodgers, had trouble with some conversion stuff big ben just randomly sat out to start the second half because of a rib injury but then was fine to come back in, which is weird. The, the Steelers are such a mess. I, one, I don't think you saw this. Okay, note, hold but. on a second. So the, back to the small sample size charade that's going on here. Can the Steelers really be such a mess given the way they've lost the last this last little stretch of games? Like It's basically just been one completely, basically one play away for three games, right? So I think this is where you can go a little, run a little afoul of the small sample size problems because... Like this game, they had the game won. They they scored a touchdown with less than two minutes left in Oakland. Obviously, the Denver game was not a Jacksonville game. I don't know. Uh, um, hold on, I'm, I'm going to clarify why I said there was such a mess because there was a there, it was a common. There was another piece coming out to this. Uh, Tomlin had come out and said that Roethlisberger had been fined to come back in two series before, but because of the flow of the game, Tomlin did not want to bring the starting quarterback in because like. Josh Dobbs was like in the flow of the game. This, yeah, that's, that's real stupid. That's that's that was the that was the coda at the end of the me- there such a mess thing. Yeah. Like to not bring your starting quarterback in who was completing eighty six percent of his pass or completed eighty six percent of his passes during the game, uh, in because the flow didn't feel right. It's like you know 
oh, the DJ put the wrong song on the dance floor. It's just like not my time to get on there. And so like you're trying to figure out when you can leave church without disrupting everybody. <laughs> yeah. I like my thing was a DJ thing. Yours was church. It's an interesting dichotomy about the, the examples. Um, all right. What else? What else we missing yeah, here? Because you're always just going out with the coolest DJs. And, and you're always like, going to church. Yeah. So <laughs> I went to church plenty growing up, my friend. I, uh, I think I, I went enough for the rest of us. Uh, yeah. So I think the Steelers and Antonio Brown, I think, what it continues to do for me is to demonstrate how important or how valuable safety is in the current NFL. One thing we talked about going into this week on our Friday game by game breakdown podcast was that we were really trying to look at, you know, where the high floors were among the high priced guys. And you saw, I mean, Barkley, McCaffrey, and Elliott all scored within two fantasy points of one another yep. and were all excellent, scoring basically 3x. And then if you shift over to wide receiver, you basically get just more insanity. And it was crazy because it was different earlier in the season. But this week, Julio Jones was basically the only expensive wide receiver that did anything. And last week, he caught one pass against Baltimore, right? So I think, you know, we're going to continue to prioritize paying up at running back going forward based on what we saw here. Um, You know, you saw some interesting weeks that guys like T.Y. Hilton and you know Jarvis Landry right after we get off the podcast I'm like can he get any touchdowns doubles his touchdown total uh gets two touchdowns in the game so Who's, is that Landry you're talking about yeah 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 well Landry I mean, almost touched pulled the, the trifecta. ball touched the ball six times but he got two touchdowns this week he, so. he almost pulled the trifecta he threw a ball they did a uh, end around uh trick play and he threw the ball about 50 yards into the end zone and just missed uh I forget maybe it was Callaway um the Callaway like just barely dropped it he almost had the trifecta because he almost he came very close to throwing for one as well um <laughs> so which would have been which would have been the real stamp on the on the entire week if that's how he had if that's how he had gone yeah I mean like yeah, I'm with you like prior to but some of these yes yeah, so, well, let's go to wide receiver first I guess then because like I don't know it's yeah, quite, I don't find quarterbacks quarter, wide receivers sure. some of these quarterbacks the games I just don't find them to be that interesting either but like these uh the wide receiver ones are like Juju, another huge week. 12 targets. He uh, Brown is, yeah. continues to have some, just some of these, like, uh, the tar- either the targets don't aren't there or, like, the, the conversion isn't there. But, I mean, at what point do we want to, like, vault Juju, like, up over Antonio Brown? Like, where do we kind of land with some of these guys? Because I'm, I'm, I want to talk about him. I want to talk a little about the Colts here. Um, I do think there's some interesting kind of wide receiver games to break down. Yeah, I mean, Juju right now is sliding into the old-school Emmanuel Sanders role where it's just – Antonio Brown being on the field makes it much easier on that wide receiver, too, to just look amazing. And we saw it with Martavis Bryant, right? I mean, what's Martavis Bryant up to now <laughs> that he's right. off, you know, getting uh, sing- or basically being prioritized by opposing defenses? The reality is that you still have to respect Antonio Brown's t- team, still do have to double cover him. The Steelers have been, have demonstrated plenty of times that he could just punish the hell out of you if you don't. But Juju's obviously talented enough to where you just run out of uh, coverage resources at some point. So I don't know that you can say which week is going to be which, but certainly in the last four weeks, uh, the lowest Juju's been targeted was nine times, and he's gotten up to the 17-target game in Denver. So, yeah, the upside's through the roof here. Whether you want to play 7,800 for it, coming in against the Patriots here, that's another question to me. But obviously for big tournaments, I mean, he's got to be on the very, very short list of guys who could absolutely do it for you. Well, remember, I, I mean, I said that over since week 10, Cooper was the sec- was the highest overall fantasy wide receiver. Juju is second. Uh, yeah, Cooper, he's got those two big games too. I mean, it's, it's apparent that he's in that class. 
Yeah, so, I mean, and then we've seen time and time again, I think this year, where Antonio Brown is just, I don't know, someone put out an article this week that was kind of, and it was sort of black, it was two weeks ago, so yeah, I forget who did it, but I was kind of saying that Antonio Brown was just falling off a cliff, and we're just kind of all watching uh, as it goes, and there was some analytics put into it about, like, you know, him, his separation, his ability to convert, um, and then he came out last week, or two weeks ago, and had a huge game, and then kind of reverted back to what we've seen, and, and having some problematic games going forward. I don't know. Uh, this is one of those ones, in terms of overall target share, I'm fine, sort of, at this point, splitting them down the middle in terms of what we see from them and it does seem like Juju's targets at this point just are worth a little bit more maybe a lot of it more than what Brown is putting up there uh and it's we only have maybe three weeks left to kind of sort of figure it out and I'm not even sure there totally is something anything to figure out other guys that we were sort of high on going into the week I, I wanted to be a little higher on T.Y. Hilton except that uh I was a little concerned with the injury, which is the only reason we didn't, because he was coming pretty cheap on DraftKings. He had a big game. He and Ebron, he saw something like 15 targets. Ebron got some targets as well. Are we, uh, once again, they show they were not able to run the ball. This is in terms of Indy, and they had to end up throwing the ball a lot. Do we want to put T.Y. into that target share group of you know double-digit target targets per game? Have we seen enough from him this season to kind of go there? Uh, he had 12 last week, finished with nine receptions at 199 yards. Yeah, it's been interesting actually to watch T.Y. Hilton's progression this season because I think honestly restricting some of the downfield passes has actually made Hilton a more effective option for them. Uh, in the last four weeks, I think he's, I can't do the math fast enough off my head, seven to nine receptions in each of the last four weeks on nine to 13 targets. Just a level of consistency that we've never seen out of T.Y. Hilton because I think the temptation has always been there to utilize him as just like your dream big downfield option. But mm -hmm. with the Colts playing a little bit more conservatively, uh, you know, higher volume, shorter passing sort of game this season, it's actually unleashed Hilton and his great yards after the catch skills. So, yeah, I think Hilton... I mean, we've he's been dancing around our cash game lineups for weeks here <laughs> like i don't know right. if, if you've noticed this too but he's like been on like the DraftKings three lineup or the FanDuel four mm -hmm. uh, and by that i mean like the fourth overall lineup that our lineup optimizer has produced but yeah he's been on the outside looking in and i think at some point the price is still low enough where you could bite the bullet on him yeah, he's uh, 6,800 on DraftKings this week going in against Dallas. That is the ninth most expensive wide receiver, and we have him basically as the best points per dollar wide receiver in that range. He might even just be the... Yeah, yeah, he's basically the best, yeah, best points per dollar yeah. guy right now going into this matchup. There's a lot of other little things that kind of need to be configured before we have set projections, obviously, for Sunday. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, we, we kind of avoided it when he went against Jalen Ramsey two weeks ago. Um, didn't totally get there last week. And I just, I'm just i willing to sort of start going there with him in terms of just how the team is using him, especially with Doyle out too, um, just losing another pass catcher. We had translated a lot of that onto Ebron, but maybe did not tick a T.Y. up. Uh, enough. Any of these other games, like guys like Kenny Stills, D.D. Westbrook had big games. Uh, I'm not sure how much we want to make of those. Uh, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, anything else stand out to you from wide receiver? Yeah, I was looking at Kenny Stills a little bit. Um, you know, Amendola got cleared to play right before game time. Uh, he was only targeted a single time, and Stills was targeted nine times. I think if Stills is going to be used in the possession game at all for Miami, then he'll be an interesting option at a very, very affordable price point. Uh, you know, again, like as we go forward, we're going to try and figure out where the cheap value is, right? And this week, actually, quietly, a lot of the cheap value-wide receivers were bad. Uh, Cortland Sutton was trash. Oof, yeah. Uh, Godwin was garbage. Even Sterling Shepard, you know, he went out there and stuck in the end zone for us, so you'd like to see that. But he also was only targeted six times and caught two balls for 17 yards. So uh, while there was apparent safety, and, you know, we talked about it on Friday, in that cheap wide receiver class, it didn't manifest that way last week. So 
the real question for me going into this week is because you know like basically you've had to find some value somewhere in it in order to enable spending up so many times on a single team and i'd still really really like to do that at running back but i'm just not sure where we do it i mean amari cooper is obviously one he's going to be more expensive than uh like we were paying you know in the five thousands for uh, guys like godwin shepherd and the other guy oh, Cortland sutton but yeah, that's that, that's where I'm kind of unclear right now. Like, where am I going to get my cheap value? Is it Kenny Stills? Do I believe there? Uh, you know, where where am I going to get that real savings going forward? Well, what do we do with Goblin going into this week? Because I haven't really audited uh, Tampa Bay yet, but he saw, he got ten targets. He yeah, just sure caught did. he caught one for thirteen yards. And I read it was funny because I read another tweet that said um, that they that all that excuse me nine of godwin's targets were uncatchable and the one that was catchable he caught so um <laughs> like i don't i don't really know what to make of this because obviously ten, a 10 target share in a tampa bay offense that's shown the ability to pass um in the past is worth a hell of a lot and the price barely moves he's only up to 4900 i, yep. I kind of want to be bullish on the opportunity and then if this is going to be if you're just going to get wildly inaccurate throws once again from Jameis, <laughs> I, like i don't even know what to make of it so it's just one of those things like where do we land on a guy like him because like he from a target share perspective he should just be high owned again like there's like there's no way or right. almost like no way around it and when you see this kind of conversion issues and it seems like it's on the back of the quarterback I, like i don't know what to make of where we land with like you know what kind of opportunity we want to give him yeah, I think Godwin would be the guy you would be the highest on out of that group, uh, just based on the opportunity. I think you know you'd want to really do your math because sometimes there's been countless examples of this throughout time where someone moves into that wide receiver two sort of role, uh, they show flashes of potential, but then they are heavily targeted, but then bad in a given mm-hmm. week, and then you can see their uh, usage just fall off a cliff because the team basically decides okay that isn't working we just have to stop banging our head against the wall there so if they actually blame Jameis and the team does too then that would be a good thing but it's sometimes hard to know you know as an observer was Godwin you know messing up his routes like especially if the balls are outrageously uncatchable uh, it can be really difficult to know who to place the blame on so uh, that would be the concern I would have there but yeah still very cheap and I think you can credibly give him seven or eight targets or something and that's going to put him in lineups uh, another punt guy that I wanted your take on, and, and actually <laughs> there's a whole team worth of, of guys to have a take on here, and that's the 49ers. I mean, Kittle obviously comes out. You texted me that he's four yards off the, uh, off the what is he, yeah, the tight end? He was four, yards yard, he was four yards off the <laughs> tight end. The alt, he was four yards off the rece- most reception, most receiving yards in a game for a tight end in history at halftime. He had 210 yes. yards at halftime, four yards away. With, 210 yards. They didn't even target okay. him again. I, like they actually, the coach came out. Shanahan came out and apologized, uh, like publicly after the game, and said like they should have just basically forced one, at least forced one or two more balls into him to get him the record. Um, and I don't blame him for like I'm glad they. I'm sort of glad that he apologized because like they acknowledged you know, it. Yeah, you got like one. You get one chance, and like he was just running completely over that team, and they just couldn't even find a way to get him the ball. Nine nine targets. He was a guy. Our system, I, I kept having to, I feel so almost like silly because I kept having to lower him like in, in our system because I just like, I don't know, guys like Ebron and Gronk and even Kelsey were guys I was feeling a little bit more comfortable with than, uh, than, yeah, Kittle, go, than Kittle going into the game. And then obviously he hit value on basically essentially the first play that he caught the ball. And then by the second catch or third catch he had, he was had to completely crush it. Uh, I mean, this 49ers aren't a team that really interests me at all. I, like just in terms of... Well, so of, what about Dante Pettis though? I mean, Dante Pettis now four touchdowns in the last three weeks, seven targets in each of those weeks, very cheap. Uh, like, can we, I agree with you. I might, I have not played any 49ers yet, except for Jeffrey Wilson on DraftKings. 
but there's now kind of value at three positions here, right? Like, if you can think about Wilson, if you can think about Pettis uh, and Kittle, like, are there three 49ers we can play, even with a crazy quarterback situation? Oof, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I This one, I, I, I don't have any conviction on it this early on Tuesday morning. Uh, this is not someone that I kind of, I'm all that excited to play. This Not a terrible, I mean, not excuse me, not a great matchup going into Seattle this week. Again, I'm with you that he's cheap. Uh, I'm actually more interested this is an interesting team. I'm going to have to kind of look at this a little more closely. Yeah, I like Wilson. We, we skipped over Wilson, a running back, but 23 carries last week. Yeah, they they, they clearly wanted to make him the guy. Um, I'm, I'd be inter- and this is in a game where they were, they were down. No, they were, excuse me, they were winning uh, early in this game, but uh, 25 total touches. He's another guy I'm going to be bullish on the care, on the, excuse me, on the overall opportunity with did see two targets in the passing game. And the key for him, though, was with Breida out, and I believe Breida's going to miss again. He had 62 snaps. The, um, the next closest running back, Morris, had four snaps. So uh, this is like not, a, uh, I guess, uh, the fullback. Uh, I can never say this guy's name, Juice uh, Hitch. Um, he uh, he had 42, car- 42 snaps as well, but they use him more in the passing game. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I think the, the um, I think the 49ers are an interesting team. But I'm actually wondering your thoughts on the on the Broncos because Cortland Sutton is a guy that we wanted to play, and um, a lot of people did. He was heavy chalk, and it made sense with Emmanuel Sanders yeah, was going 50, down. 55 percent in kind yeah, of yeah, and I think that made a lot of sense. And then he sees the fourth most targets on the team only goes for two for 14 yards on six targets. Yeah. Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton were the guys. They, those guys combined for 19 targets, caught 14 total for about 130 yards and a touchdown between the two of them. I mean, are these guys just them? Were these? We kind of talked about them a little bit and said you can take a stab on one of these guys and I'm not going to trust anything out of this passing game until I see a week out of it but is this is this one week enough to have seen to say oh maybe these guys are going to be the pass catching or pass catchers or, or are we going to see a return to Cortland Sutton because that's just kind of what can happen in the NFL yeah I mean I dismissed you brought up Hamilton on the Friday podcast and I dismissed it out of hand the guy had been getting one or two targets a game and we've seen that desperate times can call for desperate measures I will say for Denver these guys were down 20 points at halftime and that can really shake a team up and make them change up the plan and that's for that reason i don't want to take too 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 much away from it um like likewise philip Lindsay was just got awful in the first half 14 carries for 30 yards total over the course of the whole game i don't know man it's a it was a really weird situation for that game that's one that i want to chalk up to kind of a bizarre game script game and move on from it but yeah, you're going to see value here, and I think you'll absolutely see people try and speculate on this, if not for cash, at least for big tournaments. All right, let's finish this off with some running backs. Um, I think we see another week where the what we have posited in the past to be true just maintains still maintains it, it, its truthiness, I guess, is that there's, just a, <laughs> there's, a, there's a, a group of running backs that and are Derek so Derrick Henry. Far, I was going to say, except for Derrick Henry. Um, <laughs> th- there's a group of running backs that are just – head and shoulders above the rest of the league in terms of how their teams want to use them, and it's not even particularly close. And we, and going into Sunday, we said that group is, on the main slate, is Zeke, Barkley, McCaffrey. Now, Zeke gets 41 touches uh, and somehow doesn't find the end zone. Uh, gets there on value just because he touched the ball so many times. He had 28 carries, had 13 targets, ended up with like 190 total yards. Um, <laughs> he hits value, down, especially in PBR, because like he just had 12 catches. Like they just they, That was yeah, the plan. Was dump, dump off the Zeke or throw down the field to Cooper. That was the entire game. Uh, then we have McCaffrey, who had 23 touches. That's actually, I want to pat myself on the back. I had him for 16 carries and seven and a half targets. He had 16 carries and seven targets. Yeah, uh, I, so, I took the under, so I got there. But yeah, you were close. <laughs> and then Barkley, he touched the ball only 18 times, and I'm only saying only because he didn't even play the second half. So the he was he was at value just on those two huge runs, and they were using him. The Redskins just couldn't do anything to keep the game close, and that game was over for him 
by the time they hit, they basically they hit halftime. So I don't even, I'm, I'm not adjusting. If anything, I'm going to adjust. I almost want to adjust his touches up if, if Odell is out again, if, if he's going to play a whole game. Are we at a point now, like the, Barkley and Barkley and Zeke are on the main slate this week. Some of these other guys like McCaffrey and Gurley uh, are not. Are these guys yeah. just so far above the rest of the group in terms of prioritizing running backs that we say, look, we'll take our chances somewhere at wide receiver, but you just kind of have to play these two guys in cash at this point? Yeah, I think you that's my general sentiment is that you just get so much safety from there that I wouldn't want to upgrade from, I don't know, Godwin up to some $6,900 wide receiver or whatever and have to go from, you know, Saquon Barkley to Dalvin Cook or Dalvin Cook, which is in our one of our lineups now. Right. <laughs> you know, like that's not something I would want to mess with. Uh, as long as I can find suitable players at these other positions, uh, particularly quarterback, uh, that's that would be the main thing I would be looking at. Um, but looking at lineups right now, I mean, they're pretty grisly. I know part of that is because we are, we're not fully updated for cornerback matchups and a number of things going into week two. But what do you like? We skipped over Sterling Shepard. Is this? Is this just too much weirdness around a game where the Giants were leading by 40 points? Do we Would we still trust him? Like It was very weird to me that Beckham could be out and Shepard would do legitimately nothing except for accidentally score a touchdown. Yeah, um, I, that's going to be something I'm going to evaluate. Like, usually at this point right. on Tuesday, I've done a pretty full audit of our system uh, for NFL. By the time we hit this podcast, today's like this is like the one week where I haven't. So um, I it's hard for me to comment a little bit. I do think Be- Beckham was ruled out so late that I actually wouldn't be shocked if he just came back this week. So I'm not – That's just, this is something I'm going to have to evaluate. I mean, Sterling Shepard still led the team in targets. He had six targets. The conversion rate was terrible. It was only two for 17. Yeah. This is going to be That's going to happen, though, when Eli's your quarterback, right? It, it is, yeah, it is. I mean, some other guys didn't have the same issues. I mean, like Ingram went three for five and Saquon went four for five I know these aren't the same routes um so uh overall Manning wasn't terribly inefficient um he was actually pretty good it was just right. he wasn't particularly good to Sterling Shepard except outside of the touchdown uh this will be one I'll have to evaluate I'm still bullish on his target share if Beckham were to be out just because again he did lead the team in targets and um the nature of his routes is usually going to mean something better than you know 33% conversion rates on those. Uh, so I don't know. That's kind of where I land on this. But I, I think I'm mostly just saying, thinking from a running back's perspective. I just don't really. I can't. It's going to be very hard for me to think about fading, getting away from those those two guys. Now there are yeah, a couple fair. other guys that were on this list in terms of just decent just decent overall usage. Joe Mixon was one of them. Mixon touched the ball 32 times this week for Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not good, uh, so that's a problem, a problematic thing for them. They still have Jeff Driscoll, but they're actually favorites at home against the Raiders this week. And we just yeah, saw, kind of, we just saw a game with Mixon, yeah, 30 t- carries. Is he a guy, like, would we want to possibly even go down this road of saying, okay, Barkley, Elliott, and Mixon? Because Mixon's only 6,100 on DraftKings. Uh, that is, now Barkley and Elliott are of 94 and 9,000. That's going to be a tough pull, I think. Um, it's maybe a little bit different on FanDuel, but... How how close to mix? How close to this group would you want to put Mixon, knowing that he gets a phenomenal match? Would be seventy eight hundred on Fanduel. Yeah, I like Mixon. I think you know he reminds me of Nick Chubb in this way, and that the team just really wants to use him, even when it's not totally appropriate. So if you can forecast a game script where it'll be more appropriate to use him, then you probably just want to play him. So yeah, I think he'll be relatively highly owned and for good reason. Yep, it's going to be interesting with that because if you start if you start thinking about the Barkley Mixon Elliott uh, trifecta of running backs you probably you're going to take some hits at wide receiver for sure but it actually looks like at least on FanDuel it might be doable like I said on DraftKings uh it's I don't think that's going to be the case all right we're gonna we're gonna get out of here I'm gonna start auditing some football for this week we'll be back on Thursday talking some cash game plays and then on Friday doing uh the game by game breakdown I think we're gonna do that and we'll be back tomorrow for NBA buddy and NBA tomorrow all these will be live podcasts you mean in the in the flesh 
in the flesh. It'll be face to face. It won't be this can- over the, the camera thing, over the camera thing, or uh, over the podcast wire as you hear it. All right, we're gonna get out of here. DeadlyFantasySportsRankings.com <laughs> is the site. DFSR.com/deals will get you started on that free seven day trial. Uh, with optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NFL, NBA, premium chat, premium content. It's all covered under one subscription pack. Oh, NHL optimizer as well. I uh, forgot to mention that. Uh, all covered under one subscription package. Go find a better deal in the industry and then come back to me when you can't find it and you're with us for the long haul. DFSR.com slash deals. Buddy, I will see you this evening uh, on the podcast for NBA tomorrow. Talk to you later. Please. To really see Europe, go when others don't and fly there with Aer Lingus. Our European sale is full of amazing off-season deals to over 20 European cities like Paris, London, Amsterdam and Dublin. Book today at aerlingus.com. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.